Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Brian Budd, founder and director of Trident Business and Corporate Sales. Brian discusses his professional background, the importance of cultivating a good reputation as a business broker, and the nature of the relationship between broker and buyer. Brian also delves into the Banking Royal Commission, the current climate of the business buying and selling market, and how to best navigate these trends. Welcome everyone, my name is Raghu from the Eden Exchange team. Today our special guest today is Brian Budd, who's the founder and director of Trident Business and Corporate Sales, a leading advisory and business brokerage firm with connections across Melbourne, Victoria and Australia. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Brian. No worries, Rag. Look, great to get um, an expert today just to get your take on what's happening in the market and also your thoughts on where the industry is heading and how to best position businesses for sale in the current climate. But firstly, I just want to get an idea of what does Trident Business and Corporate Sales do and what inspired the creation and, and and motivation for the growth of the company? Well, it, it, we specialize, so it's a boutique agency. Um, so we specialize in, in business sales only. I, I did spend a lot of time and effort and, and some study in, in, in getting qualified in doing business valuations, but I, I try not to have those take up uh, my time, but I use the valuation knowledge to better present businesses to the market. But essentially, we're uh, obviously a, a real estate agency specializing in business sales only. I was a broker for a big city firm for a few years and I, I sort of, after sort of dealing with people and, and you build up a, a, a reputation or you build up a name and, you know, your clients and the people that you're referred to essentially just want to deal with you as a person, they don't particularly care or, or concerned with which company you work for. Um, so that sort of led on from one thing to another and, and then I obviously stepped out and, and started my own agency, which is which is what you see now. Yeah, so stepping out of your own, you've had a very um, you know, diverse background, business experience, and also public service experience as well. Can you tell us what made you gravitate towards the profession you're in now? Well, I, I sort of, I was in the police force for 10 years or so, but to be honest with you, I didn't really have a plan. I had done that and it was fun and um, it was impacting on my life in, in, in certain ways. And I left and, and picked up a, a Subway franchise uh, and then went on to own um, several of those uh, and that was good um, and I think the time was right then and the market was right then and I used so I didn't have any any real prior business experience but you know Subway or being a franchise it was very systems based and systems orientated uh, you didn't have to think too much but I enjoyed I, I liked the business model behind it so there wasn't a lot of um, wasn't a lot of money or not a return in, in sort of one or two stores um, so it sort of I had a few but I used a broker to um, sell off a couple of those and uh, one broker did a very, very good job and then the other one did a bad job. I wanted to rip his head off. So, you know, based on my experience with using brokers, I thought, oh, hang on a sec. You know, these guys, uh, you know, being a broker, my perception at the time was, you know, you you take the business, you find a buyer um, and you get the commission. And, you know, the commissions were very good back then. Uh, but <laughs> I guess, you know, I've since obviously found that it's not that easy. But when, uh, after offloading a couple of my stores, I, I, I had some time. So I went to the REIV and, and I did my licensing and qualifications, just not really having a plan to do broking. 
uh, and then I stepped into it part-time. So yeah, the business, you know, owning the businesses did set me up to step into the broking world, but it was never a plan or an aspiration of mine. I mean, certainly being from a personal point of view, certainly being on a commission only type structure, you know, can be stressful for the family. Most people rely on on regular income. So as I said, I, I never had a plan to be a business broker. I just sort of fell into it, if that makes any sense. No, there are a lot of people who've done that, but your background's diverse. That I can understand why it makes the job you do more targeted. And the broking, you know, and, and advice around broking for buyers and sellers, it can be a tough game to be in with reputations. can be fantastic or terrible. Well, what do you think makes for a, a great broker? It's funny you say that. Again, just using that police force analogy, when, when, when you're in the coppers, everybody either loves you or they hate you. There's no, um, oh, you know, the police are not too bad. You know, I've got a ticket for speed. It's either very, very good or very bad. Uh, but once I started, I remember going to a listing in, in Port Melbourne and, and this guy had, had owned a few cafes and, and had been around and he called me out to, to potentially list his cafe. And we sat down and he looked at me and he said, just just so you know, Brian, um, I just want to say that, you know, I think business brokers are just lower lower than scum and, and you guys live in the gutter. And it was just, this conversation started off really, really bad. And I started laughing. I said, mate, are you for real? You know, so that sort of was a bit of a wake up call. And I thought, you know, a lot of people, you know, they call us as brokers, they expect us or you know, most brokers will be there at the drop of the hat. You know, I think you're spot on. The the reputations are either very good or very bad. And and I think my perception is I've always tried to avoid going into a situation and looking slick, you know, looking like a used car salesman. I, I try to treat people's businesses different um, than just getting a listing and selling it and getting a commission because there's really no such thing as a quick commission. There's a lot of work that goes in. So I, I know I, I realized early on that the perception of brokers um, is not good. But personally, I, you know, in, in starting my own and, and going to meetings prepared and, and looking presentable and, and having the best tools that I can to do the job, you know, I, I think if you come across uh, as honest as you can and as reputable as you can in the first instance, I think it sets you up to have a better relationship. Um, the, the, only, the only spillover I find at the moment is not particularly from my vendors because once I meet them and I list their business, they understand that, you know, they think, well, they found an alternative to, you know, the slick broker from the big city firm that comes out and promises the world. So I'm fine with vendors. It's it's really the buyers out there that treat me or not, you know, or me, but, but agents, you know, they're dealing with a lot of agents at once looking for several businesses and a lot of them treat you with contempt. They They mm. expect information on the spot. They you know, that they go into an interaction with you and they're expecting you to uh, be very submissive just to get a sale and, and potentially work for them in the first instance. And I think, so a lot of the challenges now and my education is with buyers more than the vendors. Uh, and, and yes, there's probably one or two buyers out of every 10 that we just hang up the phone and I don't deal with because of that attitude. So I think it's about how the broker presents themselves. Um, but for me, with a vendor or with a buyer, I try to build trust in the very first instance. So for me, if I can build trust by understanding their end goal uh, and, I, and I sort of couple that up with constant follow-up um, and almost take on a consultant roles to find out what they want and how I can help them get there, you know, you break down those barriers. That was a long-winded answer, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's not long because it's also a good lesson to buyers out there because we're also dealing now with like, thousands of thousands of buyers a month coming into to mm. our systems. And, you know, 
you, you, in order to be treated seriously, you have to take what's on offer seriously as well and show you know the initiative that you're, you're taking it seriously. So there are people on the other end of the line who are, who are humans who are, have a, who are serious about their job. So that's a very good lesson for the buyer who wants to be taken seriously, mm. um, to take the interaction seriously as well. Um, and I'm not saying that um, I'm discouraging people to inquire, but keep it, they should really bear that in mind. Would you agree with that type of approach? Yeah, I, I definitely would. And I think, you know, their behaviour is often governed by what well, buyers and vendors to a degree, but but since we're talking about buyers, they're really governed or they're conditioned by dealing with other brokers. You know, they expect us to send through information without confidentiality deeds. They expect us to just, you know, send them through leases and financials without any explanation. They expect us to take their ridiculous lowball offers and conditions to vendors and they expect us to really be very submissive in, in, in getting their requirements of the deal on the table. And, and and that's okay. And I tell them that what they want to bring to the transaction is important, but it's got to be presented in a certain way. So it's about the brokers um, conditioning the buyers. I mean, you know, I always treat the buyers' concerns. It's very important to bring that to the table, but a lot of the buyers are conditioned out there by their dealings with, with many other brokers and probably, you know, seven or eight brokers out of 10 take that slick approach that we spoke about before. And um, when they come across a couple that don't, uh, and, and just an example, I, I was dealing with a buyer for a business I've got down in Mornington. It's a $1.3 million transaction. And this guy's bought and sold businesses his whole life. So as a buyer, he's coming into this relationship. Now, he said to me, Brian, I've seen many, many businesses. I've bought and sold many. He said, the way that you've presented this business is the best by far that I've ever seen. And I just thought, you know that's that's the uh, influence and that's the that's the lasting reputation I want to have on this guy. Now, whether he buys my business or not, obviously we want him to. But as he goes on and buys and sells, you know, the next time that he wants to become a vendor, you know, um, he'll remember that presentation. So, you know, I think as brokers, brokers tend to be really short-sighted in how they speak to people and how they treat people, which I think probably doesn't do them any favors. No, absolutely not. So it's a good lesson for a lot out there. And now, just in, in terms of you're obviously in the midst of it in terms of transactions going on, um, and the business environment's changing a lot over the last few years. Do you have any rules for what makes for a good buying opportunity? So, what should a potential owner or a potential buyer be looking out for? Well, if you asked me this question a couple of years ago, I would say it was price, and price is important. Everybody wants a bargain, but I don't think it's price anymore. Um, I think I think the buyers need to be. Uh, more open-minded in coming into a transaction. So, look, what makes a good buying opportunity? It's you know, I guess you could talk for hours about that, but I think you have to look at the business that you're inquiring about, looking at the return that it's giving you, the security of its tenure, the barriers to entry, the industry that it's in, what are the risks and the challenges facing that, and how is the buyer going to fund that? So, I think if you look at all those things together, and I always look at something I've always used is that risk versus reward. If my risk or my exposure is very small, but my reward is three or four times that, it's probably something that I would consider. So I just I just encourage the buyers to look at their risk versus reward. And you know, sometimes the ratios can be can be wrong. I mean, the risk can be uh, you know very very high, you know, to, to what the reward could potentially be. So I just think they've got to weigh up each individual factor of the business. Yes, the price is one of those, but not not everything. Yeah, sure. And then 
what about on the seller side? Because I understand there's a conundrum. You, there, there are a lot of motivated sellers out there uh, looking to sell, but then also they have to present their, their option as an opportunity versus desperation. And so, I mean, any, any, I, I know mm. that you can go on for hours about this, but is there, are there any key things that the seller should be aware of as well? Yeah, I think the seller and I, the seller needs to understand that the reality is their business probably won't sell. And I know that that sounds harsh, and I, I don't have the recent numbers in front of me, but you know, there's there's so many businesses for sale. The buyers now can just sit back and and pick and choose. I mean, I was in Preston the other day for a listing, and and when I looked at some of the the the, the sites, there's 278 businesses for sale in Preston. You know, across different industries, and you could narrow that down. So I think the the, the vendor has to be prepared that. They may need to continually run that business, and that it may not sell. Uh, from a, from a broker's point of view, I always look to try to sell value. Certainly, when you when you're trying to sell value, it, it overcomes the price or the uh, and the industry objections. But you know, the value might be um, uh, an example. I've just got a, a business under contract at the moment, which is based at the, the uh, Latrobe University in Bandura. So, food court location, daytime hours, no nights, no weekends, no public holidays, seven weeks closed a year, doing some um, really impressive numbers. So you know the value in that transaction is is the lifestyle. So mm-hmm. my phone's melting because people are saying, well, how can you have you know a food business trading opposite hours to what everyone else is and and doing those sort of numbers? So you know the value in that transaction is 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 the lifestyle that that business can present. So I think they've got to just find out what highlights their business and how we can best present that to the market. But but essentially. It's the toughest that it's that I've ever seen. That there's just too many businesses for sale for the amount of buyers out there. What do you think is causing that? Is it is it truly that baby boomer exit tsunami, or or is it something else driving that? I don't look. I don't really know. Um, I'm still getting good inquiries on the businesses, but I think the biggest challenge. I don't even know that. You know, I mean, the the, the listings have been consistent. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I don't have aims to go out there and have three thousand businesses on my website. You know, you get that sixty or seventy, and there's myself and a couple of others, and we can we we can service those and we can deal with those. And 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 I think as a percentage, we're selling more than a lot of the other agencies because we just choose to to present less to market and present them in a better way. But I'm finding that the listings are still there, but the inquiries, uh, people are inquiring, but no one's committing. The mentality of buyers at the moment is, well, I'll just keep looking. But it's hard to get a lot of those people to. Whereas in the past, for example, and I'll use the the franchise example, I might have had maybe you know over a six week campaign on a franchise. I might have you know forty or fifty really good leads on a franchise. The number of those leads has not dropped off. But instead of finding a buyer out of that many, just no one's stepping up. I just think at the moment people are uncertain with the um, with the election coming, um, with what the banks have been through. I certainly know that lending on businesses has been really, really tough. But to to make that even worse, you know, you've got people with equity in their home that might want to draw on that to buy a business, uh, and and that's that's not working for them either. So the lending, I think, it's been driven by the uncertainty and and the the finance background at the moment. It's really hard for people to get money. That's exactly what we we see as well. I mean. The hurdle about the financing, lots of solutions are being worked on as well, and um, we're trying to put a hat in there as well to help that. But but it's one of the things that's knocking out a lot of people that uncertainty with financing. Yeah. Um. So, and and are you seeing that's like a tougher environment? Have you experienced that in the past? Look, I think there's always. I guess this challenge will pass, and another one will present. What's made it even harder, um, is 
you know, the, the, the franchise market at the moment is particularly on the nose, um, obviously led by what's in the media with RFG. And, and I noticed the government handed down their findings on RFG um, yesterday and they were quite um, quite tough. But, you know, franchises are in the uh, under the gun, underpayment of staff and, and, and expensive remodels, you know, short leases in shopping centres. I just think the buyers are a, um, are a hell of a lot smarter and more switched on. Whereas before a new franchise, a new franchise uh, concept in the heart of a major shopping center at 180k a year rent, everybody would have jumped at it because they want to make millions. But now they're realizing that that's not the case. So the buyers are a lot smarter now as well. But you know, I think it's just been the perfect storm of of, of, of issues within the franchise sector and 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 the election coming up and and finance. I think there's probably half a dozen key points which are slowing things down. But having said that. You know, things are still selling. Like I'm still selling. We're still moving businesses. But what I'm finding, ironically, it's not the cheaper businesses that are moving. It's it's the higher end ones, which is good. You know, um, just before Christmas, we settled a freehold and service station in Country Victoria, which was a two and a half million dollar transaction, and that was an overseas buyer. So there were challenges there. But yeah, I just think the general landscape at the moment is tough. I think it will get better, but you know, at the moment, we've just got to work with what we've got. No, I agree with you there. It is like a perfect storm, but it, it, it is a bit like banking in terms of things go up and down. There's something will occur, then there's a reform, and it can turn out for the better. There's likely to be that refinement process and compliance process. The good companies can still stand out, the ones that have a good offering, a unique offering where profits are expected, and they treat the franchisees well. But will, there probably will be a culling of the other ones that um, – can't meet expectations of the market or regulations. That's just what we think will occur. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but there still are a lot of opportunities out there in, in franchising. So we're, we're not, we don't want to write off the industry at all, and we think that's very unfair, some of the things in the media. Yeah. Uh, look, 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 thanks. This has been really interesting. So what are your thoughts now on uh, – you mentioned the franchising, the financing as well. How do you see the landscape changing in the broking sector in terms of you know how transactions are done, technology, anything like that? You think is influencing how how people operate now? Yeah, look, I see you know I see a lot of stuff pop up in my in my feeds, and you know I guess if I use the the uh, you know the houses or the if I use the real estate model. You know, you look at something like Purple Bricks, you know, where their their whole campaign is based around not paying a commission. And like, I get it. I, I see, like, I get where they're going. And, and, you know, there's some of those sites coming up uh, in um, in the business broking world. So people are, are getting subscriptions to various sites and, and selling those and saying, look, you know, we'll take the inquiry, but there's no, you know, there's no commission pay. We'll just pass it on to you. And that appeals to, to some vendors out there. And, and originally, I think 12 months ago, I got quite anxious thinking, you know, well, what's happening is, you know, in the next few years, will we become obsolete? But I quickly realized that there's a place for that in the market. And a lot of those vendors that are focused on the commission, they're probably not the sort of vendors that I would want anyway. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean I got a I got an email the other day from someone. I've got a photography business. I'm turning over 1.5 million a year. What are your charges? And I, and I just replied saying, well, how can I even give you, I don't know your name, your phone number. I've got no information. I don't know anything about your business. I don't know what you want for it. I don't know how it's valued. You know, how can I just, how can I come back and tell you what it's, what it's worth? So Experience tells me any any vendor that rings me and says oh, I've got a business to sell, what's your commission? I, I just sort of say, look, I'm probably not the right agent for you. So I think these we'll call them disruptors or, or whatever you want to call them, but I think that there is a place for them in the market. I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna take away. I think there's always going to be a place for 
a professional experienced broker to sit in the middle of these buyers and sellers and, and negotiate a good deal for both parties. I think that that position will always be there. But I think the technology is definitely changing too. But, uh, you know, you're always going to need that you're always going to need that professional approach. You know, you're always going to need that person in the middle being an advocate for the vendor and overcoming objections and going back to selling value and and working out, you know, how the deal can get done. You know, you don't get that interaction from commission-free agents. Um, typically, we will always be getting, you know, a much higher price and better conditions than the vendor would get for themselves if they, you know, to, to save 10, 20 grand, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. So, the technology is changing too because you know the there's more business for sale websites coming on board so you know the buyers have got more uh, when you google you know looking for a cafe for sale in preston for example you know there's there's so many options and so many websites that come up so that's probably uh, i think the challenge for us is to keep is to keep on top of where that technology is going. So, you know, I mean, I'm starting to do um, some some presentation videos now. I'm just about to launch my new website, which has cost a hell of a lot of money and a lot of time and effort, but I've got a new website coming online in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, it's we're going to start to put more videos online. So instead of, instead of a, a purchaser just scrolling through listings and, and reading the key points about why they should buy this cafe and then as a broker we we we're, we're competing for that inquiry then you know i'm i'm trying to we're trying to think about ways where we can get that inquiry in the first instance and i think a video will will help but yeah I, I, apart from that um yeah there's just more and more sites coming on board as to where we advertise and, and we've got to be mindful about our advertising dollar and, and where we put them um so there's a few things happening in the game like i said um you know the commission only thing will always be there and that's cool you know, and and I've probably had three listings this week that I've said, look, you know, you're probably best go on Gumtree. You know, so you know that that's that's not anything that'll hold us back. But but yeah, our challenge is just to work out well, what can we do to sell this business? What can we do to get more traction? I'm finding that inquiries now. I think if you go back sort of five or six years, there was only one or two business for sale sites. I think real businesses was the biggest one, and now there's, I mean, there's you know. 25 or 30 that I could name really quickly. And, you know, the challenge for us is to work out, you know, where we put our listings and, and how we spread our how we spread ourselves to make sure we get the genuine inquiries. Absolutely. And from what from where we say that as well, because of course we own our websites, we own our own media campaigns, and we do a range of you know, managed media services, but we do find there's no at this point a silver bullet to get to that inquiry. Mm. Um, to get that right person. It's a very on the tech side, I don't mean the advisory part. There's a it's a very integrated campaign that needs to be run to to get serious inquiry. Yeah, we tend to do that as well, and and we have a lot of systems to do that. But part and parcel of it is what you were talking about: the engagement online, the videos, the podcast, the the branding of the person and the business is becoming an important factor versus dumping listings everywhere. So they all work together, um, which which is, a, is quite a change in the market from a few years ago. Yeah, I agree. We've never wanted to be that agency that just dumps listings all over the place with the same generic picture of coffee cup and the same generic picture of, you know, yeah. of Melbourne. You know, I think buyers can see through that. So I'd rather be more genuine. And like I said, for me, it goes back to that building trust in, in the first instance. And I think, you know, the, the person may not buy a business from us, but their dealings, their dealings with us and through us over time 
you know, I, they call me back now and, and, and you know, they love it when we've got a business that might interest them because they know how it's going to be presented. So, yeah, look, it's a tough industry out there. And just on your site too, I will say, you know, I don't get as many leads off Eden Exchange as, say, a couple of the others. But the leads that I do get off, like the, the, the inquiries that come through off your site for my businesses, the buyers seem very genuine. So you're doing a good job of um, weeding them out. Um, you know, whereas another side, I might get, you know, 15 calls for a, for a franchise off yours, I might only get two, but those two will go on and usually be more, uh, a much more genuine and committed buyer. So you're doing a good job there. Fantastic. That's great to hear. And we look, we don't want to have a mutual backslap, but we always get great feedback about Trident business and corporate sales just from across the market. So we do encourage anyone interested to head to the to the Trident Business and Corporate Sales website. Apart from that, you'll have some contact us options near the podcast. So if you want to have a discussion with Brian and the team, please put your name down and, and one of the team will be in touch with you to, to get the journey going with the company. Awesome. It's been look, insightful today having a chat to you, Brian. Look, we'd love to have you on again soon on to give us an update on where the industry is going. We also know you have a lot of you know, specialist knowledge in certain industry sectors that's probably yeah, you know, it requires another podcast to flesh out in more detail. So yeah. I think we would love to have you on just for a more focused um, industry-specific sure. um, mm. when, when you've got the time. Absolutely. All right, fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time, Brian. Love to have you going in soon. Appreciate your time today. Thanks, Ra. Keep in touch. All the best. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Brian Budd, founder and director of Trident Business and Corporate Sales. For more information on Trident or for other episodes of Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbuyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches on Android devices. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent information on the buying, selling, and investing world. Thank you.